In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about McDonald's Nuggets, a comically large snake, rewriting the love story, being a Disney demon, and gargoyles versus grotesques. They're actually grotesques. Oh my god, the rage. In our discussion of White Hot Kiss by Jennifer L. Armentrout. And that was not even as sexy as this episode. Yeah. Daddy. <laughs> no, don't say Hey, everybody. Welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adults and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. And today we're going to discuss White Hot Yes by Jennifer L. Armentrout. Standard disclaimer. If you haven't read this book, I'm just going to do the whole episode links. Please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled. (laughs) I can't do it anymore. Spoil me, spoil me. (laughs) Stop listening to us. And go read or listen to the book and come back. If you haven't done this for one, pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers or being spoiled, <laughs> or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. I would like to open with an apology <laughs> for everything that's happened and everything that's going to happen. <clears throat> I think that's reasonable. But look, <sighs> look, look. We've had some really good books lately, mm. and now... End of sentence. <laughs> and now, we're having some trashy angel and demon books. So, just deal with it. It's a new month. We've got our new theme, Angels and Demons, and... This is what happens when Amanda digs back into the old Angel and Demon books she read a long time ago. This one as part of a bad YA book club. Hey, you did not tell me that before I read this book. I didn't? No. Oh, that's why I read this one. It was bad YA book club. Oh, no. that, That entirely changes things. Oh, did you think I liked it? No. God, I, hope <laughs> I mean, I loved it. I loved it because it's like so. There's degrees of love. Love is a spectrum. It is. Love is a spectrum. Oh, it's Pride Month also, everyone. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. So, yeah, like I hate love this one. I loved hit. I hate love. Love hate this one. You love to hate it? Hate to love it? Not hate Both. to love. No. Love to hate. You gotta admit, it was trashy and a little bit fun. I fully admit it was completely trashy. I'll skip to my head to, ahead to my initial thought if you want. Yeah, go for it. This is the horniest, underline horniest book we have covered on the podcast. And we've discu- discussed after. This is hornier, and I will give a full explanation as to why in the discussion. Yeah, okay, because I was going to say, is it though? 
But it is. You're right. You're right. It is. Because after... After... After was a hit. After had... After, after had all the sex scenes, this one did not. So we haven't... After was it was sex and abuse. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And pain, both by the reader, reader and... And the reader. The reader. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um... <sighs> So I have some background information. Please. Yeah. And I guess I already said my initial thoughts that this, that we read this one because I read it in Bad YA Book Club. So that's my initial thoughts. But the background info that I found is from years and years and years ago, because obviously this book came out years and years and years ago. And this is from an article by USA Today. And um, they're talking about young adult and new adult books. And this was like when new adult was very first becoming a thing. And I just pulled a couple of clips from um, what Jennifer said about it. And it's pretty important, especially with what's going on right now in the world of, you know, books. She says, I really haven't seen them classified as that yet, talking about new adult. What I've seen tossed around is upper YA terminology, which signifies that the book does have more mature content, etc. So those books are probably closer to new adult and upper YA may be closer to middle grade. Some refer to those books as clean YA, and I really loathe that term. Using the word clean for one group of books is suggesting the other books are dirty, which, yes. Yes, Mm. Jennifer. Mm, I I agree. Oh, I do not like that. And then later on, they're talking about sex in books, and she says, no, having sex or not having sex in, in detail or fade to black in a book should never be a determining factor if you're trying to figure out if the book is YA or not. Say it again for people in the back. Having sex in a YA book should not even become the most important angle of the book, overshadowing the storyline, plot, and characters. The funny thing is, in my opinion, a teen picks up a YA book with sex in it. The sex part is not even what they end up focusing on. It's just a part of the overall story. Agree, agree, agree. Yeah, 100% agree. Yeah. Do you know, just adding into this this fact, when I was a teenager, when I was at school, secondary school, from age 11 plus in the UK, the amount of people I know who were 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, having sex... And there were abortions everywhere because, you know, by the UK, we allow it. It was almost a form of birth control at one point because it just seemed to be so prolific. So to deny that sex happens in teen- for teenagers in books is just absolutely ridiculous. And it is not the key factor. I doubt any teenager will pick up a YA book and go, oh, I'm going to read this for all the sex scenes. Ooh. Yeah, that's, no. not, that's not what you're happens. You're going to pick it up because you want to be the elf queen. Yeah. Or you want to go on the adventure with, you know, the, the gorgeous prince. Yeah. Not because of the sex scene. No. You go at the erotica section for that. And if you're in the library, I really doubt 
you're going to go to the erotica section. No. Because teenagers get embarrassed by sex as well. Yeah, and just imagine, Claire, a world where we have to, librarians have to move these types of books to a different section. <coughs> censorship. Um, sorry, excuse me, I had something in my throat. It was censorship that was in my throat, actually, by the way. Oh, I, I thought you were, you had constitutional rights. Oh, yeah, a little bit. Um, mm. But imagine them having to come up to the desk to ask a staff member where to find these books. Oh, wait, they're probably not going to do that because they're probably embarrassed about that. So then guess what happens to the book? It doesn't get checked out. <laughs> Censorship. Mm. Sorry, it just keeps happening. It just keeps happening. I'm sure you can get some medication for that. Not in America, you don't have that. No, we that. don't. We don't have that. We fucking <laughs> we did it would cost too much money to get it just makes no sense to me yeah i hate it anyway um, to be honest though i mean out of all of the books that we've covered and we've covered a lot of books we have we have. how many have actually had sex in them a handful a handful not many i couldn't i could only name for definite one no no we read i mean just the book that we just read last week had sex in it did it i mean not yes it yeah. did it had a fair to black sexy yeah i mean most of them okay have... two uh, no and all of the house of night books oh god yeah. almost i mean mm. not all of them almost all of them good joke um, well, handful. So that, to be honest, though, this is actually telling you a lot more. It's telling you how insignificant the sex scenes were in those books. Yeah. That I can barely recall the ones that do. Yeah, and we don't count after, because. Oh God, I hate. <laughs> I mean, but we should count it because two books. Two books, and... and we did read it, and it does have sex in, and finger banging. Oh God stomach quivering oh yeah oh her stomach was so tight and her legs were straight <laughs> what else i can't remember it was so Do you know what if if any, if any of the listeners haven't actually heard our review of after please go it's freaking hilarious that was such a funny episode i loved it, it so it's much absolutely hilarious i loved it the book shit i'll point blank say it's shit but our our discussion of it is and, one of the funniest and do you episodes know, I think we've done. Yeah, and do you know what else <laughs> about that book being shit? We're not telling people not to read it. We're no, we're letting we'll we're it. letting people read it. You, I mean, we did say that so we desire. read it. We did say we read it, so you wouldn't have to. But I mean, you could just read our summary on the website on fictionalhangover.com instead. Right, but that'll, also that'll save you like. Stop sacrificing yeah. too much time. But you know what? You can also read the book because it's it's, it's available there. for you to read if you want to read it. It's nothing like the movie. <sighs> anyway, we should get off our soapbox and start talking about. I feel like we're going to get a message off Drew defending something, defending the movie. We probably will, <laughs> but that's okay. It's fine. Do not ask Drew. No, actually, you can. You can. Ask it's fine. Place. It's fine. You like it. Okay. 
Anywho, anywho, let's go and delve into angels and demons. Yes. Well, this one's just demons. Well, no, I guess there are there are angels mentioned, but they don't play a huge role in this one. Anyway, apparently, demons love McDonald's. Well, this poser demon certainly does. While Stacy and Sam see a middle-aged woman <laughs> digging into a pile of burgers, Layla, who is half gargoyle, half demon, sees a demon without a soul. <laughs> I can't handle that she's half gargoyle. Just gargoyles in general. It cracks me up. This particular <laughs> variety has an infectious bite and insatiable hunger. While Stacy argues that Twilight is a classic and they should have been allowed to cover it for their literature report, Layla is planning how she's going to tag the poser demon. All Layla needs to do is touch the demon for it to be tagged, which means her adopted family, the Wardens, who are full-blooded gargoyles, can hunt it down later. Giving Stacy and Sam a lame excuse to hang back in the restaurant, Layla then follows the poser demon out and through the city street. Twilight's a classic. I I I laughed so hard <laughs> at that one. Just anywho, Layla falls for a short time, but still manages to lose her as she's distracted by a human with a black soul. Eventually, Layla finds the poser demon again in an alley. However, she transforms into a rare seeker demon. Before the seeker demon can attack, an upper level demon interrupts, and he's a turtle jaw dropping honey. Uh, yeah, mm. he is. He is. He really is. Layla tries to back away as the two demons fight. However, the honey gets the upper hand and throws the seeker away. As Layla watches, the snake tattoo on the hottie's arm slithers off towards her. The hottie tells Layla not to be scared of Bambi. <laughs> <laughs> But Layla has had one too many crazy things happen and she runs off. Unfortunately, as she thinks to call for help, she realises she's lost her phone. Uh, yeah. Layla eventually returns home, driven by Morris, the warden's inscrutable chauffeur. As they draw close to the house, Layla notices six new gargoyles resting on the building. Great. Visitors. It gets worse as the visitors are Elijah and his son, Peter, both of whom would happily murder Layla. Once inside, Layla heads first to the kitchen for cookie dough before going to see her brother, Zane. Oh, Zane. Thankfully, he isn't really her brother. They were just raised as siblings after she was adopted because Zane is a hottie and Layla has what would be considered extremely inappropriate thoughts about him. <laughs> Zane notices she's been eating cookie dough and looks a little worse for wear, so Layla explains about the poser demon turned seeker demon. As they talk, Zane is sure Layla is hiding something, that she took a soul. But she didn't. <gasps> She doesn't want to tell Zane about the haughty demon. The next day, Stacy calls Layla out for ditching her and Sam, and for the whole day, Layla is exhausted and distracted by the colour of people's souls around her. The mean girl bully, Eva's soul, is particularly distracting as it swirls of deep purple bleeding into black. 
The deer isn't a total loss, however, as the <sighs> demon walks into one of her classes and drops her missing cell phone on her desk. Layla is stunned, and you know, Stacy, she instantly starts drooling. And I'm not saying where from. <laughs> It's really hard to say who's hornier in this in this book. It really is. The horniness in the summary has been toned down. It has been. Ooh, it really, really has been. But it's hard to say who is hornier. Because I'm pretty sure it's Stacy, but oh, Layla yeah, Layla is a very close second. Oh gosh. Yes. The haughty demon admits to having been thinking about Layla all night. With Hottie's sudden arrival, Layla can't deal with the test they're about to have, so she runs off to the bathroom. The haughty demon follows and stops Layla from calling Zane by throwing her cell phone into the toilet. Wah, wah. <laughs> Hottie demon introduces himself as Roth says he knows she is half-demon and wants to know why she let herself be brainwashed by the wardens. Roth also tells Layla she can do more than see souls. At least, the last one he knew could. Does she know nothing of her heritage? No. No, she does not. Not at all. <laughs> As Roth leaves, he tells Layla she needs to stop tagging demons and to not let her family know about him. At the end of the day, out of spite, Layla decides to go tagging and is able to get a few. As Layla is waiting for Morris to pick her up, she gets a weird feeling and looking around, she spots another upper level demon watching her. Ooh. Back at the Wharton house, Layla goes looking for Zane and finds him with Danica, a female gargoyle who is super nice, but Layla just hates anyway. She especially hates that Danica looks a little too cosy with Zane. Not wanting to watch her not-brother with another woman, Layla makes excuses and leaves. However, Zane follows. There is some awkward sort of flirting, not flirting that takes place about being awesome sauce with extra sauce before they're interrupted by Abbott, Zane's father and the leader of their clan. Abbott has been contacted by Layla running out of class and doesn't really believe she was sick. Abbott then makes icky remarks about Danica being mating age and that it's time for Zane at 21 to settle down. Any protests Layla makes about this are instantly dismissed. This happens a whole heck of a lot with Abbott. It really, really does, and it's annoying. Oh. To avoid everyone, Layla goes to her old treehouse. As she's lying there, she pulls out her mother's ring she wears on a chain around her neck before falling asleep. Zane wakes her, and they have some weird flirting, not flirting again. Zane explains that Pater is staying with them for some time, and he won't let anything happen to her again. Mm. Zane also gives her a new phone. As Layla leaves the treehouse, she spots an abnormally large snake watching her from a tree. At school the next day, Layla and Stacy are talking about the new Hardy. Oh, the Hardy. Speak of the devil as well, and guess who walks in? Oh. Roth sits in front of Layla, so Layla uses this opportunity to look at his snake tattoo. 
After class, Layla notices a strong, rotten, foul smell all through the hallways. Roth tells her there is a zombie in the school <laughs> and takes her to investigate. Because of course there is. Of course, better than homeroom. As they're heading to the boiler room, they run into Assistant Principal Mackenzie and Layla sees some of Roth's abilities as he reads Mackenzie's black soul. Leaving the depraved administrator, they head to the boiler room where it smells the worst. Behind a fake skeleton, they hear a growl and the zombie shambles toward them. Roth uses one of the fake skeleton's arms to beat the zombie to <laughs> And the goo covers Layla. When Layla arrives home later, she decides to wake Abbott to tell him about the zombie and it's kind of a big deal. Unfortunately, Peter interrupts her and he's a total sleazy dickhead asshole with all of his threats and insults we hate him. Yes, we do. Ignoring the rules, Layla slams her knee between his legs as he grabs her throat forcefully and spits vile insults at her. Later, Later, Abbott agrees it would be best if Elijah and Pater's clan were not visiting. However, it's not really for the sake of Layla's safety. Abbott assumes Layla wants to talk boys or something else teenage girls are bothered by, so she has to blurt out that actually she wanted to tell him about the zombie in her school. Instead of congratulating Layla for confronting and dealing with the zombie, minus any mention of Roth, Abbott berates her for dealing with it, the same as the other night when she followed the Seeker. Zane suggests she stop tagging for her own safety, but Layla is not impressed by this suggestion. At school, Stacy tells Layla she can tell she's been crying and she needs to drop Zane and get with the hardy Roth, who would make her cry, but, you know, in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Stacy! During class, Stacy flirts spectacularly and outrageously with Roth and invites him to lunch with them. After school, Roth continues to dog Layla, so she's not in the mood to go tagging. But then she spots a fiend. Roth persuades her not to play judge, jury and executioner, as essentially that's what tagging is and see what the fiend is up to. The fiend is on a construction site and when the last person leaves the scaffolding, it touches it, making it all crash to the ground. It was like it purposely waited for the last human to be safe before committing its brutal act of inconvenience. They leave and find another fiend messing with traffic lights and causing horrendous acts of fender benders and noise pollution through car horn blaring. <laughs> Deciding to leave the mischievous and mostly harmless demons alone, they go for muffins and Layla asks about hell. It's hot and it's a twisted version of the human world, so Roth much prefers it up here. Roth asks Layla about when she started tagging and if she realises the wardens are using her. Layla is thoroughly convinced the wardens are good because she is a warden. Honest, I am a warden. I'm definitely a warden. And that she is helping. <laughs> She's a warden. She's a warden, everyone. Definitely. She's a warden. Definitely. The conversation continues as they eat. It turns out Roth is 18 years old and not in dog years. He actually really is 18. 
Demonic maturity is very fast compared to humans, and his current appearance is just a skin, not what he actually looks like in his true form. Suddenly, Layla spots a sinner, her soul tainted brown. Layla doesn't know what she's done, but she wants to eat her soul. Roth distracts her by asking her about the ring she wears on a chain until the woman leaves. When they leave a little later, Roth asks her about never being kissed. Layla obviously resents that she hasn't been kissed and says that kissing anyone with a soul is impossible as she would just eat it. That is not the Drew Barrymore movie I remember. No, no. Oh, that might have made that movie better. That movie was really fun, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it would have been better. (laughs) Excuse me, something sexy is about to happen. Roth swoops down and kisses Layla then because he has no soul so she can't suck it away. (laughs) Layla enjoys the kiss more than she should admit. Excuse me, Layla, you're half demon. Why can't you like a demon? It's okay. Because she's been brainwashed. It's true, she has been. They start talking again, but this time it's about Layla's mom. Roth tells her she shares her abilities. Wait, what? Roth knows who her mom is? Roth confirms she was known by many, many names, but most commonly, Lilith. Yes, the Lilith. And because her mom, Layla, is on Hell's most wanted list. On that bombshell, Layla spots Morris's car and heads toward it, but gets an uncomfortable feeling in the line of taxis. Something isn't right, like there is a demon nearby, and it's something with serious malice and raw evil. Morris can tell it too, and he books it home, but the taxi following them is the source of the bad feeling, and the driver has been possessed. The taxi slams into them, causing them to crash. The front of the car is crumpled, and there's blood everywhere. From the mess, the possessed tries to attack, but Morris shoots it with a gun stored in the glove compartment. Tendrils of acrid smoke come pouring out of the bullet hole and mouth of the possessed. Bambi arrives then and swallows the evil essence, but the smell of sulfur lingers. Back at the warden house, it's chaos. A possessed human is a big deal TM. Zane is nowhere to be seen as Layla is debriefed, but not comforted because her feelings are not a concern. Abbott forbids her to tag again and nearly pulls her out of school. Layla doesn't see Zane that night, but she does hear him return. The next day is Saturday, and Zane usually stays up late after his late-night warden watches so he can get early morning coffee with Layla. Layla, under the impression that this will still happen despite her lockdown, is disappointed to find out that Zane must have forgotten, as Abbott tells her he's gone for breakfast with Danica. Layla goes back to bed and sleeps the day away, only waking when Zane comes in. She confronts him about being forgotten and feeling like a fool in front of the clan. Layla realises Zane looks exhausted, but that doesn't stop her from feeling forgotten and replaced. As Zane leaves, he tells her it's difficult to treat her like an adult, as she's acting like a child. That's a good one. Then tells her Abbott has spoken to the Alphas, and they are coming. 
Layla really shouldn't be there when they arrive. Because the Alphas, they hate her. Yeah, um, just side note, everyone. Alphas are angels. And they're coming. And they're pissed. With nowhere to go, Layla hides in the treehouse again. But not until after she watches the arrival of the Alphas. Getting impatient because she's been exiled out of the house for hours and it's very late, Layla tries to call Zane's cell, but he doesn't answer, and eventually her calls start going to voicemail. Stop liking him. He is not nice to you. While she's sitting there, shocked and indignant, Pater slimes into the treehouse. Layla realizes in a panic that Pater isn't there just to belittle and threaten her, He's there to sexually assault, rape, and kill her. As Layla and Pater struggle, Layla spots Bambi, and Pater accuses her of having a familiar and throws Bambi away. This reminds Layla of something Roth told her, that pure souls are capable of evil. Desperately trying to save herself, Layla needs to use her greatest weapon, her ability to suck Pater's soul, which tastes delicious. Mmm, yummy num-nums. Pater turns sallow and dark veins shudder through him. He's not withering like a human who lost their soul would. He's transforming into a monster. Suddenly... Roth, in his demonic form, appears from the shadows, slices Pater for being a bastard, and rips out his spine for throwing Bambi. And we all cheer. Yay. Yay, Roth. As Layla sits in shock that she took a soul, Roth disposes of what is left of Peter and collects Bambi. He then picks Layla up and dark wings sprout from his back, Flies her to his place. Layla's convinced she killed Peter, but Roth points out he was the one to make the killing blow. Thank you very much. However, Layla taking a whole soul is something. As Roth doctors her cuts and bruises, three kitty cats come to investigate Layla. They are just so cute and fluffy, and a complete contrast to the tattooed bad boy persona he displays. As is the beautiful flower garden he shows her on the roof. Roth points out that he, like most evens, isn't just one-dimensional. Roth again says that as that Hell is looking for her and that zombie and possessed taxi driver are proof. Layla is something special, half demon, half warden, and despite what her adopted family remind of her of regularly, they are no better than she, even though they have pure souls. The big guy did that to make up for creating them in the first place. Roth confirms he works for the big boss downstairs and has been charged with keeping her safe from the big bads and reminds her again and she is the daughter of Lilith and tells her that someone wants her because of her bloodline. Roth tells Layla they need to find the Lesser Key of Solomon, a book which catalogues demons and details how to summon them trap them, and do all kinds of other fun stuff. Lilith can't be summoned, and neither can her original children, the Lilin. But, like all things, though, there's a loophole. The original Lesser Key of Solomon describes how to create the Lilin, 
And like most spells, there are stages. This one needs the blood of a child of Lilith, the dead blood of Lilith herself, and a couple of other stages only detailed in the original text. Once the spell is completed, the Lilin will be born again on Earth. The child of Lilith is Layla, and Lilith's dead blood is in the ring Layla carries on the chain around her neck. It's very convenient. <laughs> Hell does not want the Lilin to be free, especially on Earth, so Roth needs to make sure neither her blood nor Lilith's blood is spilled. Layla realizes Abbott has to know all this and has kept it from her. Roth starts getting all flirty again and talking about kissing and wanting more. But it doesn't go anywhere because Layla needs to go home and not tell the wardens she ate a soul. At her insistence, Layla heads home alone but can feel Roth following her through the streets of DC. Her walk gives her time to reflect on everything Roth has told her and calm her emotions, though later she will feel sick from the soul because she consumed, and almost welcomes the sickness as penance. As Layla sits, weak and sick, on the bench, she hears Zane's 1969 Impala pull up in front of her. Zane dashes out and embraces her. Over Zane's shoulder, Layla sees Roth turn and leave. Finally, after a long hug, Zane sees Layla's injuries and realises it was Peter who tried to hurt her because he found her bag and cell in the treehouse, along with splatters of her blood, and Peter hasn't been seen since last night. Zane gets upset and, with his heightened emotions, he starts to change into his gargoyle form, but fortunately Layla is able to calm him down. Zane threatens to kill Peter for what he did, but Layla is able to reassure him Peter's dead, killed by a demon who suddenly appeared out of nowhere. She doesn't mention Roth's name. Back home, Abbott questions Nayla about the demon who saved her and she keeps the description vague, saying only that he looked like a warden. Abbott seems somewhat mollified, but is still suspicious of the clothes she is wearing, which were given to her by Roth. Layla can hardly say the clothes belong to Roth, the hotly high-level demon, so she gives the lame response that they're all gym clothes. Suspicious Abbott is suspicious. Later that night, Layla vomits up Peter's soul. It claws its way out of her throat and turns to mist. After a hot shower, Layla crawls into bed when Zane visits. Because she looks like crap, Zane asks her if she ate a soul which she denies. Zane's angry, too, that he failed to answer his phone, that Peter hurt her, that he didn't protect her. Zane settles next to her in bed and answers Layla's questions about why the Alphas are here. Apparently, there's been an increase in upper-level demon activity. As Layla falls asleep, Zane asks again if she ate a soul, promising he won't tell anyone. So she confesses that she did. Ooh. At school on Wednesday, Layla still is looking uffy and great, and Stacey points out Roth has not been seen since Friday. Layla accidentally lets slip that she hung out with Roth over the weekend, and Stacey instantly wants details <laughs> and is overly concerned with Layla's virginity status and really needs to get her priority in order, which Sam points out. Thank you, Sam. Yes, thanks, Sam. <laughs> The next day, Roth finally makes an appearance to steal Layla and save her from biology. Roth takes Layla downstairs to an old part of the school. 
Rotha asks why she was off sick and Layla explains about her post-soul eating illness. He makes a weird face at this but instead of saying anything he inspects her wounds before horny teasing and horny flirting with her, pointing out that he can do things to her that Zane cannot. Getting back to business, thank you, they compare information about the increased upper-level demon activity and decide they need to work together to get the key. However, that's not going to be easy. Luckily, Roth points out, there is a seer near. Heading out in Roth's Porsche, with a quick stop at the grocery store for chicken, they head to the seer, who turns out to be a nine-year-old boy with a pure soul playing Assassin's Creed. (laughs) The seer tells them that the end result of releasing the Lilin is the apocalypse. And the only way to defeat them is to kick it off early. He also gives them a very cryptic clue about a monolith to find the lesser key. Instead of heading back to school, they head to Roth's. Before they leave the parking complex, the overhead lights start to flicker and pointy, hairless, rack demons emerge from the shadows. As one, they attack Roth, who displays some kick-ass demon skills and starts to take them out with Bambi's help. Layla can't stand by and watch, so she draws attention to herself and surprisingly, she can hold her own in a fight, thanks to Zane's tutelage. Once the rack demons are put down, they continue into Roth's building. Roth pulls out a commercial copy of the Lesser Key of Solomon. It's incomplete, of course, but it may be a start. I love the idea of him going to Barnes and Noble yes. and, and getting it. Yeah. <laughs> it's got like <laughs> the, the movie cover too. Yes, it's the movie cover. <laughs> and he, he picks up a couple of mangas as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's filled with pictures of demons and one sparks Layla's interest. It's Roth. Astaroth, the crown prince of hell. Well, not exactly. He's one in a long line of Astaroth. Because they are sitting on Roth's bed, one thing turns to another and they start kissing again. Before things go too far, though, Layla calls a halt, which Roth respects. They spend the rest of the afternoon talking about Roth's family until it's time for Layla to fake being in school as Zane is picking her up. Days pass and Layla remains vigilant for demon attacks. Over lunch, Layla, Roth, Stacy, and Sam read a newspaper article calling for the dissolution of the Wardens as they're a sign of the apocalypse. Realizing how much Sam enjoys facts and riddles, Layla gives him the seer's cryptic clue about the lesser key. He works it out straight away. The monolith in the riddle is the Washington Monument. Duh. And it just so happens to be a full moon Saturday night, which is required to find the key. It's going to be difficult to sneak out of the warden stronghold to help, so Layla will pretend to be at a sleepover at Stacy's. <laughs> Abbott's office door is closed when Layla goes to ask her big favour. Zane comes by while she's waiting and they talk. Abbott has had a lot of closed doors meeting lately and neither knows what is going on. Zane also notes Layla seems different, but the only thing Layla can think of is that she's been kissed. <gasps> oh. Not the fact that she's consumed a soul and has a shit ton of, you know, demons coming yeah, out no, of her Yeah, no, 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 no. She's been kissed. Oh. Oh. 
Eventually, Abbott is free and Layla makes up a story about a bio test and studying with Stacy Saturday night. But Zane protests. Stacy is more than okay helping Layla have an overnight date with Roth and her only complaint is Layla's boring, practical outfit. Um, We've all had that friend. <laughs> As it's still early to retrieve the key, Layla and Roth head to Roth's apartment for a while. So, of course, they start making out and things take a hot and heavy turn. But they still don't go all the way. Eventually, it's time to leave, and to help with their clandestine task, Roth makes them invisible. Layla notices a strange shimmer on the water at the Washington Monument, and when she touches it, she realizes it's not wet. The water is an illusion. They walk into and under the reflection pool into a room that looks medieval. As they try to get through a door at the end of the corridor, a swarm of little ugly demons, referred to as LUDs, attack. While Roth fights them, Layla gets the door open and they're able to move on. This next chamber has bats, so they need to be quiet, which of course means they make out until the bats leave. Once they stop lip-locking and start investigating the chamber, they spot two handprints, one for a demon and one for a gargoyle. They both place their hands in, which reveals a cubby holding the lesser key of Solomon. Grabbing the book, the chamber starts to shake and come down like it's Indiana Jones booby-trapped. They're able to escape and make it to the metro tunnels. As they head back to Roth's apartment to look at the book, Layla spots a falling star. Oh crap, that's not a star, it's, it's a warden. Oh shit, it's Nikolai. He fought and followed by Abbott. Mm-hmm. As Nikolai and Roth go toe to toe, Abbott grabs Layla. Zane eventually arrives and takes her back to the warden house. So Roth flickers out of existence as she's flown away. Yeah, this is not good. Mm. No, it's no. not. No, no, it's not. Abbott berates Layla. They both accuse each other of lying, and Abbott demands to know that Layla is still a virgin. Her virginity status, apparently, is a key part of the incantation. Insert eye <gasps> roll here, because of course it is. So now, the real question is, how does Abbott know what is in the incantation? Hmm. Apparently, it's her innocence that is important, and it's also linked to her not taking a soul. (laughs) Oopsie. That ship has sailed. (laughs) Abbott demands Layla give him Roth's name, but she refuses despite his belittling tactics, threats, and anger. Eventually, she's able to go to her room, grounded for life. Thankfully, she's still able to go to school, but unfortunately, Roth doesn't show. A week goes by and there is still no sign of Roth. At night, Layla's cravings for something sweet are overwhelming. They weren't so bad when she was around Roth, but now they seem intolerable. Layla is sure she can smell Roth or sense him despite there being no sign of the Hari Dean. One day, as she lingers in the school bathroom, a crow enters the room and transforms into an unfamiliar demon called Cam. Cam grabs Layla's throat, 
but she fights back. Then Roth enters the bathroom. They banter until Roth points out he can't let Cam hurt Leila, so they fight and Roth breaks Cam's neck. He explodes into sulphur smoke and shatters the windows in the bathroom. Roth grabs Leila and takes her outside as the whole school gets evacuated. As they're standing outside, Zane comes over. Roth and Zane have a go at each other, but something Roth says to Zane strikes home. The Wardens have been doing a terrible job of keeping Leila safe. Can't read really that. <laughs> Later, back in Abbott's office, the Wardens finally listen to Leila explain that the demons are trying to stop the apocalypse. In other revelations, Abbott tells her her father is Elijah. <laughs> the clan leader who wants her dead and the father of <sighs> Peter. This explains why Elijah hates her so much. She was probably the one who ordered Peter to kill her. Suddenly, Leila realises that she's taken her half-brother's soul. Um, excuse me, though. Do we also realise that her half-brother tried to rape her probably on more than one occasion? Yeah. That, that is neglected in the text. It is. A little snippet. It is. The onus is only put on Leila taking a hop on the soul. Of course. And not about him being an absolute dirtbag. No, not at all. Later, Zane catches Layla going crazy in her bedroom and takes her out for ice cream. As they eat, Layla confesses she took Peter's soul, which Zane already knew she had because they already talked about this. Yeah, it's weird. But, you know, it wasn't because she wanted to. It was because she had to, you know, to stop the rape. As they drive back to the warden house, Zane slams into a hellion in the middle of the driveway. Zane orders Layla home to get Abbott while he battles the hellion. As Layla runs, tree roots grab at her feet, causing her to fall. With the smell of sulfur in the air, the demon Paimon appears, the demon sent to raise the Lilin. Layla tells him to go to hell and tries to fight, but it's no use. He grabs Layla and her world goes dark. Layla wakes up bound and looking around, she sees a pentagram painted on the ground in the old gymnasium of her school. From outside the pentagram, Paimon orders his minions to spill the blood of Lilith. Leila tries to stall by getting Payman to talk, and he says he's doing this all for love. His love for Lilith. He will free from her prison. Eventually, Payman's minions break the jewel on Leila's ring, which spills Lilith's dead blood, and Leila is cut on her arm, spilling her own blood. The next step of the spell is for Leila to take a soul. More of Payman's minions bring in Zane and Roth. Roth was caught coming in to rescue Zane, and as Layla doesn't take Zane's soul, Payman will kill Roth. Damn it. As Payman starts to draw Roth's blood, Layla tells Payman she's already taken a soul, so she doesn't need to take Zane's. As Payman is about to slit Zane's throat now that he's useless to him, Layla's inner demon and gargoyle gather strength and pour forth giving her the strength to break her bindings as her human skin is shed for her demon gargoyle self. It's amazing. Layla easily cuts through Payman's minions. 
Zane shifts into his gargoyle form and Roth into his demon form, and Bambi slithers off his arm because she doesn't want to miss out on the fun. The fight <laughs> rages until wardens rush in, fighting Payman's minions. Eventually, Zane and Roth grab Payman and are able to tie him into the pentagram, changing it into a supernatural-worthy demon trap. With a roar, Payman grabs Zane, but then Roth pulls Zane out and holds Payman down as Abbott activates the trap. Bambi slithers to Layla's arms. A few days later, Layla, who now wears Bambi as a tattoo like Roth used to, heads to Roth's apartment to collect his cats, but learns that there were also tattoos that Roth must have been wearing when he was cast to hell in the demon trap. Checking Roth's roof garden, Layla feels Roth, but knows he can't be there. She did find her necklace, which held Layla's ring, and knows it wasn't there a moment ago. Layla leaves and can't help but wondering, is this the end? No, no. because there's two more no, books. No, there's two more books. And I think there's a novella as well. There is, it's a prequel. It's a prequel novella. Let's ignore that. Yeah. Let's go and eat a pile of burgers like a seeker demon. Yes, please. Yes, please. Let's or you can have that. nuggets. If you want to have nugs, that's fine. Oh, I well. would like to have some nuggets. Or cookie dough? Just squeeze a tube of cookie dough. <gasps> mm. Let's get cookie dough instead. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What's up, fellow book nerds? It's time to feed your fiction shelf addiction. Hear book club style roundtables, bookish chats, and more. Join Tamara and her friends for fantasy and thriller read-alongs and other shenanigans over on the Shelf Addiction Podcast. Listen now on your podcatcher of choice. Subscribe for free and you too can have a shelf addiction. I haven't eaten a soul today. I could have some cookie dough instead. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well now. Wellity. 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 Where to start? What the frig did you make me read? <laughs> I'm sorry. I really thought that I told you that I read this as part of Bad YA Book Club. This this is the same book club that gifted us Hot Pterodactyl Boyfriend. Oh, that was that was majestic. <laughs> Do you know what, though? I mean, I'm not blaming you because you did say, oh, there's this one book where she's half gargoyle, half demon. I was like, yeah, I'm sold. Yeah, so I'm, because it, half you know, gargoyle? It's... I mean, that's hilarious. That's hilarious <sighs> to me. I don't know why. It is. But, right, can I get, can I get this out of my... This, this has been bugging me since I read it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So a gargoyle is actually a decorated water spout that sits on the roof. Okay. Yes, and can I just what I say that? Wait, hold are. on, hold on. I need to add in just, just for clarification. For it to be a gargoyle, water has to be coming out. If no water comes out, it's called a grotesque. Exactly. This is my this is my other point. That's what a gargoyle is. It's a decorated water spout that projects the water from the roof. Yeah. Otherwise, it's a grotesque. Yeah. It's a decorated carving. Yeah. And it has no function. It's it, it's just pretty. It's just an architectural yeah. pretty thing. Yeah. And this pisses me off because they are not gargoyles. They're grotesques. The grotesques. And it pisses me off. I'm sorry. I ever since I was reading and I was going, do you have a if they had a water power, 
or an affinity with water, I would have been fine with it. But they don't. So do you know what? All she's done is watch Disney's Gargoyles, which I appreciate is a classic and it's faultless and I won't hate no bad right, things said yes. about it. Yeah. But she's basically watched that and gone, oh, it's a gargoyle. I'm going to write a book about gargoyles because they're so handsome and hot. Tap, 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 tap. No! The grotesques! Yeah. Right, okay. Thank you. I'm off my high horse about that. Okay. Because it's been, I've been, that's been inside me for like two weeks, Amanda. Yeah. For two weeks I've needed to say that. It's fine. It's fine. Grotesqueries okay. aside. Grotesqueries aside. In inaccuracies. Yes. Um Sam would appreciate this though. Yeah. Because Sam liked facts. Yes. Yes. He did. He did and like facts. I would have really appreciated if Sam had had a fact where it was like, Did you know a gargoyle is this and a grotesque is that? Because that would have been just mwah, it would have been just that little nod yeah. kind of yeah. funny aside thing. Yeah, that would have been good. That would have been that good. That would have appreciated instead of facts about bananas or some such nonsense. Yes, yeah, that would have been good. But okay. Rage gone. Yes. For now. Yes. For now. Yeah. Um, okay. So, as ridiculous as this book is, it did have... An inaccurate. Yes. It did have some enjoyable scenes. I feel. It did. It did. Um, it wasn't wholly terrible. It had some good scenes. It did. It really did. I really appreciate, except for why it happened, but I really enjoyed Layla taking Peter's soul. Yeah, so did I. thought that was a really good scene. Although She needed to take somebody's soul and his was long time ago. Yeah, coming. his was ripe for the taking um, he must not have known. Do you think he knew she was his half sister? He had to have known. Because I'm like, I don't feel like that would matter to him. No, I don't think it would have mattered to him at all. And I hate that it's happened before. Clearly, yeah. Because Zane, nothing is explicitly yeah. said. But Zane's like, oh, we won't let Peter hurt you again. <laughs> and. At the very least, we know her status, her virginity status is, quote-unquote, intact. Yes. Because Abbott questioned it later on after spending time with Ross. Right. But that doesn't stop it from getting to a point. And it was creepy and the implications were heavily there that there was some sort of sexual assault. Well, yeah, I mean, he has her... And, like, this is all it says in the in the text, and I'm not quoting it exactly, but, like, he has her pinned down and is trying to pry her legs apart. Yeah. You don't just, you don't just do that if you're, you know. Going to give somebody a nuggie. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. It's gross. It's disgusting. He was horrible. Yeah. A prime example that a pure soul means... This, a pure soul is horseshit. It means absolutely dick. Yeah. Yeah. Because how many times did Roth, who doesn't have a soul, show up and help? Well, exactly. The fiends, those two fiends, 
they were out to be mischievous, not to hurt anybody. Yeah. So yeah, Layla didn't spend enough time for me. I can't, I like that scene with with Layla and 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 Roth actually when he was and showing the fiends. But for me, Layla did not spend enough time really thinking about her actions and really thinking, hang on, what have I been doing? And how many people have I judged because of their soul status, their lack of soul, and not by their actions? Yeah. And like, why... Why does she only tag demons? Why doesn't she tag the people with, you know, the black, black souls? Like her creepy teen teacher or administrator the assistant guy. assistant principal Mackenzie. With child porn on his computers. Like, why don't we do anything about him? Well, exactly. There's that other one, the Randall with the dark brown soul who she got thirsty for. Yeah. Why don't we do it anything make, about them? It doesn't make any sense. And you, you can't have one rule for one and another rule for well, everybody else. For you know, everybody else. you can. But that's what the, the wardens have got. Yeah, because the wardens are clearly led by angels. And oh, we all know that no religion any wrong. is the only way to go. I can't think of... Oh, can you think of any angels that might have, I don't know, done something naughty or vaguely against the rules and maybe fallen, perhaps? Oh, hmm. hmm. No, I don't know. I'm no theologist. Hmm. I'm no theologist, but... Hmm. <sighs> Do you know what? I, I find angel books problematic. Because angel books rely more heavily on religion than what a demon book does. Like, if it, a demon's in, like, if we just had, like, a straight up you know, demonic force, it's more like a spooky book. Yeah. It can be, it can be more like a spooky book. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking, like, say, for example, My Best Friend's Exorcism by Grady Hendrix. Yes. Okay? Yeah. There was no angels in that at all, but there was a demonic force with the possession. Mm-hmm. You know, there was, like, poltergeist activity. It was a spooky book. Yeah, yeah. But there was no necessarily religious aspect. There was, I mean, in the terms of the, the guy with the, the, the tried to do the exorcism. Right. That failed. And it was the power of friendship that saved the deer yes, in the end. Yes. Um. So, but... It, Generally speaking, it's less heavily inclined to say what is right and what is wrong in terms of this is a religious belief. Yes. Um, but when you involve angels, you instantly involve like Christianity in particular. And I am not an organised religion person. And Same. I find them heavily problematic. Yes. And it's not as if the law is accurate as well right because i mean did the alphas have multiple eyes were they basically like this weird orb of eyeballs coming down i hope that they were fucking terrifying looking yeah but generally speaking they'll just turn the angels into hardies of course they will because that's what happens Mm. more on that next week yes yes conversation to be continued yes and i have i have 
things that I appreciate about the book we're talking about next week for reasons as we are discussing today. Anyway, I also liked getting back to standout moments. I enjoyed the scene with them fighting the zombie in (laughs) the boiler room of the school and that there was the very perfect jump scare with the science skeleton and then Roth yanks the skeleton's arm off and beats the zombie to death with it. That was hilarious. <laughs> that reminded me of the lost girls and beating them with the wet end yes. of their own arm. Yes. And that made me giggle a lot. Yes. Yeah, I really enjoyed that scene. Yes, same. And same I also really enjoyed Layla's transformation. Oh, that was a long time coming. It was. And it was kind of hinted at that, like, she didn't have the ability to turn into a gargoyle. And, you know, she never, she never even thought about trying to turn into a demon because, you know, they're trying to squash that side out of her. But I appreciate that she was, she was able to transform into weird amalgamation of demon and warden gargoyle demon a typical if you were to draw a typical demon and draw a typical gargoyle they're not too dissimilar no except for the gargoyle is made of stone and has water coming out because it's a gargoyle not a grotesque yeah complexion but then you know are you going to automatically make the the devil red or like the demon red to make a more like you know little like devilly type character because i'm sure they can be cracked stone and gray as well yeah, i'm sure they can be i mean roth i mean i wh- haven't met many demons in my life to be right just you know one or two um but roth is described at like his skin is you know black as night he's yes. like solid black i can imagine being quite shiny actually i feel like he probably was shiny yeah with his golden eyes He's so hot. <laughs> yeah. No, I did enjoy those scenes. And I also enjoyed the scene with the um, Sia. Yes. The nine-year-old playing Assassin's Creed and giving them lip. Yes. Yeah, I enjoyed that scene as well. I like that they had to take him a chicken. And they're like, well, you know, normally like a dead chicken is probably what we should take him. But we can't really get that. So let's go to the grocery store. <laughs> here's, a, here's a packet of cooked chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Here's some nugs. <laughs> they should have gotten some nugs from McDonald's. They should have. He's nine. He would have enjoyed that. I really fancy some McDonald's nuggets now. Yeah, I know. Me too. <sighs> I also really appreciated the Twilight conversation. Oh my god. <laughs> At the beginning. Twilight is a classic. <laughs> I have the full conversation coming up. I have it. I have. I can give it to you if you would so desire. It's hilarious. Stacy groaned. I can't believe Mr. Leto wouldn't let us do our classics report on Twilight. It is a classic. I laughed momentarily, forgetting about the job I had to do. Twilight is not a classic, Stacy. Edward is definitely a classic in my book. She pulled a hair tie out of her pocket, tugging her shoulder-length hair up. And Twilight is way more interesting than All Quiet on the Western Front. Sam shook his head. I can't believe you just used Twilight and All Quiet on the Western Front in the same sentence. 
That's the entire scene, but I, I still enjoyed it. it. I love it so much. I enjoyed Sam's ra- being a random fact guy. It was really good. Yes. Yeah, I appreciated that as well. Because he always had one ready to go. He did. He did. And Sam was an under- underutilized character. He was like in two or three times, barely. And then it was like, oh, we're too dumb to work out that it's the Washington Monument. Even I worked out it was the Washington Monument. Uh, yeah. Come on. Obviously. <sighs> And then to like, ask him, because you, you're really good at riddles and facts. Can you work this out? Because we're too dumb. And he's like, Honestly. duh. You don't even have to finish your sentence. Oh, so that... that oh. Um, Stacy. <laughs> what about Stacy? Calm yourself, love. Everything in life does not have to revolve about being fucked. Are you sure? You, you do not have to be boinking everything with a cock for validation. If you want to because you're enjoying it and you're being safe and it's consensual and legal. Boink away. Boink away with my blessing. No king shame from me. What I am shaming you about is that you're forcing Leila into a situation or tr- pressurising her before she is ready or willing or found the right person. Yeah. It really annoyed me and I was like, you need to calm down. It was almost to me like Stacy wasn't written by a person who was a teenage girl. It was like, you know those really bad scenes where they describe either a woman's body or sex scenes and it's quite clearly written by a middle-aged white man who's never known the touch of anybody but his own right hand yes she's breasting boobily down the stairs yes Stacey was that kind of character and it was annoying so annoying every time she was in I was just annoyed because she was just obsessed and yes hormones are raging they are surging everywhere yeah but it's not the be-all and end-all. And I really did get very annoyed by her pressuring Layla that she needs to have sex. Yeah, but at least Layla didn't do that. She was not pressured. She wasn't pressured. She probably would have had sex with Roth on a couple of occasions. So very close to it. Yeah. But when she was actually, you know... Evaluating the situation at the time, she knew she wasn't ready, and Roth respected that, which was fantastic. Yeah, it was fantastic because all throughout the book, like he he is a demon, okay, and he is making sexual jokes and innuendos all the time, which also got a little annoying. But he respected her. Yes. No meant no. No matter where they were in their mere count session. Yeah. Yeah. And that was good. Yes. And I think that's a very positive message. And yeah, I agree. He did get, he was getting a bit annoying with his sexual innuendo constantly. It was ridiculous. And Leila was horny AF. Yeah. And it was like, I just want to be kissed. Then just freaking kiss someone. I don't care if you suck the souls. Yeah, but she's like, 
the wardens have bashed it into her skull that she can't she can't suck a soul she can't do that she can't do it she can't no 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 no. you can't do that i wish that she would get away from the wardens they're bad news yeah and i know roth at one point says to her you know why did you let the wardens do that well i don't think she'll let the wardens do that but she has been under their um guardianship since she was like seven years old after being in foster care as well you know you're arguing against nature versus nurture at that point yeah she knows no better right she's going to think no better and the wardens are toxic completely toxic they really are but i will say that they must as much as i hate abbott if if he hadn't taken her in, I think that she would be dead by now because of Elijah. Yes. yes. So even though he's completely terrible, at least she's still alive. Yeah. Having semi incestuous thoughts about her brother. But he's not Could her not brother. brother. She's adopted. No, but it's it's one of these tabloid magazine articles, isn't it? Where it's like, I married my brother. And then when you read it, you go, oh, no, you were just adopted. So biologically, you're not actually do you know, siblings. Do you but know, technically, you are siblings as well. Do you know because, what it is? You know... It's Twilight. It's Twilight. It is. It is? <laughs> Damn it. I can't get away from it. Can't get away from it. It's classic. It's a classic. It's a classic. Okay. Who is your favorite character? I mean, it was the obvious. My Roth. obvious? Roth? The lovable yeah. asshole? Yeah. Yeah. You gotta love Roth. A hearty, but genuinely a nice guy. Yes. Um, <laughs> Bambi. What a gorgeous oh, girl. Bambi. I love Bambi. Oh, but she's cheeky as well. Yeah, but also I've really enjoyed the the you because he was a cheeky little bastard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, going back to Bambi, I and I really enjoyed after you know at the end, Roth has been sent down to the fiery pits, and bambi has latched herself onto the only other demon in the room and and it's layla and so now bambi's like squirming all over her all the time and also fucking with zane really liked that like just popping up like oh they're sitting next to each other on the couch watching a movie and then suddenly bambi is like halfway on layla's face staring at him (laughs) (laughs) i really like it hello but I also like that Bambi's like slithering around all over the place and it and it tickles like yes that gives me chills just thinking about it but I also I really like it I like Bambi she's great I love Bambi I'm a little confused though something did confuse me and it was Bambi's size because she's described as being on Roth's arm but when Leila has her she takes up her entire body I am. So I imagine how that she... teeny tiny is Leila. Like, is she Thumbelina size? Yes. Or how big is Hardy Roth? Oh, he's so big and strong and he's throbbing. So and... Oh, look at those 
snake tattoo. Oh, I can little kitty cats. only imagine that Bambi can change her size. And so she's purposely she's, got ridiculously she's, big on their left yes. to really annoy Zane. Yes, I feel like she's just comically <laughs> large on purpose to bother Zane. <laughs> comically large snakes. <laughs> yes. I also like that the kittens had like Thumper and other Disney names. Dis- Disney names. Yeah. It turns out that Roth is a Disney demon. Yes. He's a- oh god, he's a Disney demon. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> oh, mm. Chenaborg. Do you think he really looks up to Chenaborg? Probably. Probably. That's amazing. <sighs> He goes and he gets a big box of McDonald's nuggets, chicken nuggets, and then goes and sees the latest Disney movie. He does. Which Disney movie do you think is Roth's favourite? I want to say The Black Cauldron. Because <sighs> it's like the creepiest yeah. one. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, but realistically, it's probably something like Beauty and the Beast. Probably. Or, or obviously Bambi, because that's who he's named all of his latest tattoos That's after. That's true. He really relates to the hunter. <laughs> if he doesn't see a Robin Hood, I'm going to be upset with I was going to say, he should like Robin Hood. The Ooh, Jungle Daddy, Book, Ooh, maybe. Golly, what a day. <laughs> oh. Hmm. All, all I want now is for Roth to just watch Disney movies all day long. You know he's done it. I'm sure he has. He has to. <laughs> just give some chicken to the seer and you'll tell you. Oh. Were you surprised by anything? How fucking horny this book is. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, I know it's called White Hot Kiss. It's a stupid title. Also, by the way. yeah, that's the stupidest title. It doesn't have anything to do with anything. No. It... No. I think, like, I'm looking at the book cover behind you, and that's the book cover that I'm familiar with. There's nothing on that cover to reveal no. anything about the book. No. The title has nothing to do with the book. I just the other <laughs> Claire, the other covers are worse. It's like it's like white cover handsome man with like beard stubble and a girl like clinging to him. What does this have to do with demons and gargoyles and Lilith and Lilin and comically large snakes and zombies? absolutely freaking nothing how disappointed do you think people were when they picked up that original cover saw the titles called white hot kiss and it's like oh here's a demon eating mcdonald's on page one <sighs> like do you think they like oh flipped it over on the back did is this 
like miscovered? What is? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Like you, you picked up the hardback with the dust cover, and you're like, oh, hang on, this is being something. No, Some, somebody's not. messed it up. It's just, nope. uh, it just no, it just has absolutely no bearing. No, and it's just oh, honestly, I don't know what a better title would have been. No, I am desperately trying to think of something. <sighs> Fucking Hornfest. Yes. That's a, Holy that... half gargoyle, half demon. Yes. Soul sucker. Soul sucker. <laughs> yes. Sexy soul sucker. <laughs> Disney demon and the soul sucker. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I do. All I know is that the cover of the both varieties reflect nothing in the book. Yeah. To be fair, though, the two people, the hardy boy and the hardy girl, I can understand a little bit more. Yeah. Relating to it, and that's, but the title—that's fine. But then you throw the title in. Sense. Yeah, the title. No. No. I I would be expecting, I would be expecting something called "Why Hot Kiss" not to be in wire shelves. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it should have it should have had something to do with souls. The title should yes. have had something to do with souls. Yes. It confused me. Yeah. Anyway. I'll probably think of something after we'll probably. finish the episode. Yeah, probably. But it just it just makes very little yeah. sense. Do you know my surprise and something that also made very little sense we know because of the text that Roth being like crowned prince of hell is also the big boss's favorite version of Astaroth thus far and that he can become invisible and Layla's like, oh, I can smell him. I can smell him out here in the garden, his rooftop garden. I can smell him here. And oh, there's a necklace that wasn't there a second ago. But oh, I can smell Roth. Hello. <laughs> How... If you start doing that punching in the air thing and go, well, if I just so happened to hit <laughs> yeah. somebody who's invisible, is that on me or is that on you? <laughs> How can you not know that he is there? Because he is 100% obviously there. Because, as we have figured out earlier, Layla dumb. Layla's not the smartest. Layla is um, chicken nuggets short of a happy meal. Yes. Yeah. I was I was trying to make a cookie reference, you know. But I wanted to say cookie Layla dough is a, and not cookie. Is chocolate chip short of cookie dough. Yeah, yeah. It's this is spoilers. This is going to be a little bit of a thing for the next couple of weeks. I give zero craps about the lead characters. I have no empathy yeah. for them at all. Yeah, I give. They could die on page one. I would be like. Hallelujah, I don't have to put up with them anymore. Yeah. I don't care anything about them. No. And Layla is frustrating because she's she's dumb. I don't brainwashing to one side, you know, that's happened. And yeah. she has no responsibility in that because she was a child. That's 
I give her um, a lot of leniency for that, which is dumb. Yeah, she does dumb things. Yeah, and it, and it's just it's frustrating. But I feel like now I can't remember exactly what happens in the rest of this series because yeah, I have read it. I'm sorry, but I feel like she comes into her own a little bit more now that she can transform and knows that the wardens are clearly not the great people that she believed them to be so i feel like she she comes into her own a little bit more later on in the series but honestly i cannot remember what happened she needed to mature a lot more quickly i think this book was too long not enough happened in it we needed to have had the transformation a lot sooner and a lot and some development after finding of the lesser key of solomon that it was nothing 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 oh here we've got the book yeah kidnapping yeah we, pro- we probably could have done end. with one or two fewer demon attacks one or two fewer Stacy turning into a puddle of juices. Yes. Or the hardy demon boy. Yes. <sighs> yeah. Also, the fact that Stacy doesn't know anything about uh, Leila being a half demon, half warden, by the way. They're completely oblivious. No clue at all. Yeah. And actually saying that, the whole reasoning behind everybody knowing about the wardens and that's it <sighs> it was really loose yeah. world building that yeah yeah that could have been you a know little when... tighter <laughs> you know when you have those like one page things where some kind of like scripture or refers back to a news story or something that tells you a little bit in one page mm-hmm. the history this is how the gargoyles or the, the wardens in this case came to be known in the public in, in public and yeah this is you know to set that scene that would have been a freaking help because i was like i just accepted yeah. that they were there because the explanation was so poor yeah but apparently it was important that we know that it was a recent development basically around the time that she was born slash came to the warden house yeah but it was very tenuous and it was not really explained well yeah all right is it time yeah please (laughs) (laughs) would you rather we asked on social media would you rather be able to transform into a gargoyle which is technically a grotesque in this issue, but by the way. Or a demon. And on Facebook, 78% are turning into a gargoyle. On Instagram, 60% are turning into a gargoyle. On Twitter, 67% are turning into a gargoyle. And on TikTok, 61% are demonic. Which surprises no one. No. Constance on Facebook said. Amanda had me at snake tattoo named Batman. Team Slawless, Damon, all the way. Bree on Facebook said gargoyle because the 90s Disney show made me biased. Fair. <laughs> Coral on Facebook said, who doesn't love a gargoyle strong as stone with cool wings and horns and you get to look down on everyone, lol. I love Roth and the bad boy demon. 
I appreciate that Coral has obviously read this book. Yeah. <laughs> Colin on Facebook says, Gargoyle, so I can be large and brooding and stand on rooftops in the rain looking out to the horizon. Plus, having no soul would mean I wouldn't be able to get through automatic doors, and that would be really irritating. Ooh, gargoyle means I could fly as well because I would be the type with wings so I could soar close to people's heads and steal their food like an angry seagull. <laughs> Corey on Facebook said, Gargoyle, but only if the curse is lifted. Hmm. Corey on Facebook says, Gargoyle, because baby childhood fantasy would be playing out. Also, I'd have wings and could save on gas. <laughs> so practical, all of it. <laughs> Real Jackson Ford on Instagram said, Demon, we're more fun. At LemonWater66 on TikTok said, Demon, all the way. Demons are way more powerful. <laughs> I don't feel like I need to ask you this. I think you're going to pick Demon. Why wouldn't I pick For Demon? For the listeners of the podcast, Amanda's just looking at me like I'm an idiot. <laughs> Seriously, though. Well, duh. <laughs> what are you picking? Um, I am really torn because, like, a couple of our commenters have inferred Disney's 90s cartoon Gargoyles is very influential. However, still wrong. They're grotesques, not gargoyles. Yes. So Yeah, that is bothersome. Plus... I think being a demon is going to be a hell more fun. It is. So I'm going to pick demons. Okay, let's be demons together. Yes. All right, next question. Would you rather eat McDonald's or cookie dough? You see, right, okay, this isn't easy (laughs) because it's not like McDonald's or cookie dough. It's, are you in the mood for sweet or savoury? That's not the question. That's not the question, Claire. I know, but that essentially is what it boils down to when it comes to what I fancy to eat, what I want to eat. And I'm really full off my dinner. I made a huge creamy pasta, so I'm absolutely stuffed. So I crave neither sweet nor savoury right now. I just want water. And I'm not pausing for dramatic effect. I'm genuinely thinking. <laughs> I'm going to say cookie dough purely because the one and only time I've had McDonald's in recent years, and underscoring years, was at the Halloween or um, horror movie All Nighter last October I went to, and we got McDonald's breakfast from the 24-hour drive through on the way home. And sat and ate them in bed before going to sleep (laughs) at 6am. It was amazing. And other than that, I cannot remember my last McDonald's. However, I did make cookies on Monday and I may have licked the spoon. Yes. So I'm going to pick cookie dough. As a general eating thing. I... I'm going to pick McDonald's because McDonald's french fries and their Diet Cokes are top-notch. You can't go wrong eating McDonald's french fries, even though, you know, I'm sure they're 
made of all the worst things in the entire world. But I really like... They are very different in America to the UK as well. Oh, I really... Because America is beef dripping, I think, fries. It uses meat drips, whereas the UK is um, vegetarian. Mm. Well... So they are very different. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a fan of the fries. However, and now... I don't know why I've just started thinking about it now. I mean, obviously, I'm thinking about it because cookie dough. I have made some really, really delicious cookie sandwiches in the past that are like chocolate cookies. And the inside is a like an edible raw cookie dough. Like it doesn't have raw egg in with chocolate chips mixed in. But it's got that like grittiness that a good mm. cookie dough has. You know, but sandwich in between two chocolate cookies. And now I really want to make them again. I want you to make them again. Yeah. Okay. And then take pictures and send me the hearty food porn. Oh, yeah. Videos. Slowly bite into it. Mm. The crumb just dribbles down. Mm. (laughs) Would you rather taste emotions, which is a little of power that is not mentioned at all in summary or would you rather see people's souls I think I would rather see souls because like what if the emotions that are surrounding you that you can taste are like negative emotions that would not taste good and I imagine it would also smell bad as well You know, because taste and smell are really closely tied. So I'm going to go with seeing souls. Also, you know, it would be pretty to see lots of colors all over the place. You'd also know who to avoid if they've got black souls too. Right. Yeah. Also, also, Netflix hit us up, you know, two, not want to say preppy because that's annoying, but two enthusiastic podcasters can see souls and solve murders yeah i think that sounds like a great plan whilst eating mcdonald's and cookie dough the 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 product placement is there yeah i can just hear to grab it you know just see the dollars falling from the sky Would you rather, sexual assault aside, would you rather live in the warden compound or the demon apartment complex? Demon apartment complex. Oh, yeah. It sounds fun. And knowing that there's a, an elevator to hell I know. just like, is hilarious uh, to me. I love when they're going to take... You've got to take the stairs, take don't the take stairs. the elevator because it only goes down. Oh, I love that. And she's like, oh, yikes, okay. Yeah, let's not get on that elevator. Oh, no. Oh, that reminds me of something else. Another scene that I really, really liked was when they're at Roth's apartment and they decide to watch a movie. And they watched The Devil's Advocate with Keanu Reeves. That was one of my favorite movies for the longest time. So Really? Yeah. Yeah. So I really, oh, wow. really enjoyed that they watched that movie. Wow. <laughs> Revelations abound I here. Yeah, I love that movie. Now I kind of want to watch it. 
You need to watch it whilst you're eating those cookies. And McDonald's. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I didn't answer this question. question. No, I didn't I didn't really answer this question. Did you? I, I mean, I, was, I got excited. Do you need to? I got excited about the demon apartment complex. But then I also want to ask you, the warden compound seems like it's a great big like gothic mansion you know obviously because there's gargoyles on the roof and i just feel like there's probably like a room that you can only get to by pulling a certain book off the shelf or no you know, no, no no cranking See, down should. on a candle it should but the wardens are boring as fuck yeah you're right so there's not going to be any secret compartment there's not going to be a secret library or route to a dungeon it's going to be the most basic vanilla medieval style. Okay. Like you can you can literally see the MDF. Yeah. It it's it's okay. not real stone because they are boring. Okay, yeah, you're probably right. Boring people. You're probably right. It's gonna be so practical. Does it serve a purpose? No. It might be fun, but doesn't serve a purpose. Okay, you're right. No. You're right. Okay. Let's live in the demon apartment complex together. But the demon apartment complex will be riddled yeah. with secret passages. Because demons. Plus it's rent control. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's demonic. <laughs> demons. <sighs> What's our last question? Would you rather? I do have a fun one, but I'm not going to do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Would you rather every year for the rest of your life have to read White Hot Kiss or After? White Hot Kiss, hands down. I hated After with every fiber of my being. And White Hot Kiss, there were actually a few things that I enjoyed. There's, yes. a, there's a sexy demon in White Hot Kiss. After was just terrible. It was terrible. It was the worst book I've ever read. And even though I enjoyed our conversation about it so much, still like one of the most hilarious and best episodes, I hated it. I hated that fucking book. So White Hot Kiss, I will read it every year. Hands down. I would, I would hundred percent agree. Ugh. Ugh. I never make me read after <laughs> ever again. Did I tell you I saw that there's a, a, a graphic novel of it? Why? Very good question. <sighs> I Why? get really concerned when I see like in like Facebook book groups, people seeing how beautiful a story it is oh, and how wonderful it is not, i mean oh there's so much abuse it's abuse it's so much abuse so it's not much abuse people need a reality check they do oh, i would I read it. why hot kiss because i have not hated the book like it's it's a it's a three out of five stars for me i'm being generous sure but after was zero, zero stars. 
I think I gave it one because I feel like I have to give something because, you know... Well, if you don't, then, you know, like, it doesn't show up the same way in Goodreads. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So I gave it, you know... But at least this had some moments of redeeming features. Yes, it had some redeeming qualities. It had a comically large snake. Bambi was the MVP. <laughs> it had a hell, an elevator to hell. It did. It did. The devil's advocate. It had the McDonald's devil's advocate and, and McDonald's and... Twilight is a classic. It had a zombie getting beaten to death. A nine-year-old playing a... Assassin's Creed <laughs> eating chicken. Yeah. A zombie being beaten by the arm of a fake skeleton. Yes. It had some very good moments. It did. If you could take Layla out and stay Yeah, safe, you know, if it was just... It would be a good book. If it was just... Can, can we have Zane and Roth smooching? Can we have those boys get together and make sweet, sweet gargoyle demon love and fix the rift in their species relationship yeah i'd be okay with that i would be okay with that beautiful beautiful gay boy love i could really get into that and i even though i don't really care for zane like at all no but roth roth yeah roth zane would be a bottom by the way that's my thing yeah yeah roth would definitely be a top yeah i agree with that Anyway, anyway. <laughs> favorite final thought quote. What What do you got? What do you got? I'm going to give you the serious one first. Okay. Your life isn't about all you can't do. It's about what you can do. <laughs> and what you can do, Leila, is get out of the way so Zane and Roth can get together. Yes. <laughs> In fact, it leads nicely to this next quote. Don't let the door hit you where the good lord split you. <laughs> I'm going to break into her house later and cut her hair off then maybe glue it to her face <laughs> which was the best line from Stacy. I did love that bit about Stacy. like what kind of a prank is that why the perfect prank for uh, Ava the bitch which I can only imagine her character is later explored and if it's not what the freak anywho last quote Hello, your weird friend here. <laughs> mm. Mm. What's yours? I've got a couple more. I really like thought it was the dumbest thing ever. Some of the exclamations that Layla came out with, but I really did appreciate double crap on a cracker the size of my butt. <laughs> That's a big cracker. Big cracker. For the love of all unholy things, why must you be so difficult? <laughs> I was raised in hell. You could say I'm socially awkward. <laughs> so are you supposed to be quoting the book, Amanda? Oh, wait, wait. 
That was me. That was a, that was a me <laughs> True love meant sharing odd food cravings. I so believed that. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'll I'll wrap up with free will, huh? Damn, it is a bitch. And then you're sent down to the fiery pits. Ah. <sighs> oh, do you mean? Okay. If you like this, try this. What are you going to suggest? I am going to suggest a freaking adorable comic. It's volume one. Uh, Mish the Bad Demon by Michelle Lamb. It's adorable. It's so cute. But it's got such a lovely found like friend, found family friendship message to it as well. And it's a really quick read. I read it literally in like 20 minutes. Half an hour of that. But it's worth it. It's worth your time. If you like Garlic and the Vampire slash Garlic and the Witch, you'll enjoy Mish the Bad Demon as well. And it's from uh, the summary's from faber.co.uk. How far would you go to save your home and find yourself? Bullied by the other demons, 12 year old Mish is more likely to be reading magazines for Pulmera City, the fairy realm, and fangirling about the fairy princesses. But when disaster strikes and all the demon kind is threatened, Mish must join a journey to other worlds in search of help. As luck would have it, she meets a fairy princess right away. Things in the fairy realm aren't looking so perfect either, though. As Mish makes surprising new friends and unites a band of outcasts, she learns as much more to being a demon than she ever realised. And learning to love herself might just uncover the secret to saving her home. Aww. It's really cute, but there's a big bad overarch storyline that I'm excited to read volume 2 to see if there's how it progresses what have you got well I'm going to suggest Sweet Evil by Wendy Higgins what if there were teens whose lives literally depended on being bad influences This is the reality for sons and daughters of fallen angels. Tender-hearted southern girl Anna Witt was born with a sixth sense to see and feel emotions of other people. She's aware of a struggle within herself, an inexplicable pull toward danger. But it isn't until she turns 16 and meets the alluring Caden Rowe that she discovers her terrifying heritage and her willpower is put to the test. He's the boy your daddy warned you about. If only someone had warned Anna. Forced to face her destiny, will Anna embrace her halo or her horns? Horns, 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 horns. Do we have any uh, new to do spotlight this week as well? We do. We definitely do. This one is called Assistant to the Villain by Hannah Nicole Merrer. We got this in an email and it sounds like right up our alley. Assistant wanted. 
notorious high-ranking villain seeks loyal, level-headed assistant for unspecific office duties, supporting staff for random mayhem, terror, and other dark things in general. Discretion a must. Excellent benefits. With ailing family to support, Evie Sage's employment status isn't just important, it's vital. So when a mishap with Renadon's most infamous villain results in a job offer, naturally, she says yes. No job is perfect, of course, but even less so when you develop a teeny crush on your terrifying, temperamental, and undeniably hot boss. Ooh. Don't find evil so attractive, Evie. Just when she's getting used to severed heads suspended from the ceiling and the odd squish of an errant eyeball beneath her heel, Evie suspects this dungeon has a huge rat. And not just the literal kind. Because something rotten is growing in the kingdom of Renadon, and someone wants to take the villain and his entire nefarious empire out. Now, Evie must not only resist drooling over her boss, but also figure out exactly who is sabotaging his work and ensure he makes them pay. After all, a good job is hard to find. (laughs) Oh my god, that sounds amazing. And its expected publication is September 5th this year. Thank you. Thank you for checking that out. I love the cover as well. It is amazing. Yeah. And you know what? I think we need to have a book theme next year, like based on CV Builder. <laughs> okay. And because that sounds absolutely amazing. I am excited to read that one. Oh, yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I love it when we get these emails through with all these exciting books. I know, it's amazing. It's, that sounds real good. <laughs> I'm going to put on our 2024 schedule. I think that you need to. It's very important. Claire's schedule. Claire is scheduled. (laughs) So (laughs) that's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time as we discuss Fallen by Lauren Kate. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise. And become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com, follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover, and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you like this episode, check out our others, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for her music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.